Welcome to the Horror Unmasked podcast, where we unmask the monsters and and explore the lore. I'm Amber. And I'm Lily. And today we will be dissecting the nun, Annabelle creation, and the nun too. Let's Let's get possessed. The nun. It starts in 1952 with a scene of a church in Romania. There's a corridor with a large number of crosses throughout as two nuns walk down. The older one unlocks and enters the door while the other prays. Soon, the elder nun screams and is flung, showing she is heavily injured. She gives the key to the other nun and tells her she knows what she must do. The nun runs and hides in a room. She knows she must kill herself. The door behind her opens, showing a corridor with some figure moving slowly towards her. But she continues with a rope in hand. As the entity continues through the corridor, the nun walks out the window and hangs herself. What? I was about to say womp womp, but that's (laughs) (laughs) That's so yeah, dark. No, that's really dark. <laughs> oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, you said it anyway. <laughs> you still womp womped. You still I womp mean, womped. it is a womp womp, but it's a dark womp womp. It is a very dark womp womp. Okay, anyway. Event- <laughs> Eventually, we meet Frenchie, the individual who found the body of the nun while he was delivering things to the church. Frenchie is asked to help Father Burke and Sister Irene, who were sent to investigate what happened at the church. Later, as they are searching the grounds, they are accosted by the dark and unfortunate souls of the land. Frenchie is attacked by the hanged nun in the ice room where he put her. Father Burke rushes in to help Frenchie, and they set off to find Irene. During the day, Irene finds an actual praying nun that is told by another that she is in constant prayer to protect the evil from escaping. The nun tells Sister Irene the history of the convent and that the Duke of St. Carta wrote dark texts and practiced dark magic which summoned Valak, the demonic creature that haunts the church. The church used the blood of Christ to secure the ritual site and had a nun constantly in prayer to keep the seal from breaking until the war and bombs fell. The nuns of the convent all come together and pray in order to push back against the demon. Unfortunately, it is all for naught as the nuns are swiftly killed by the entity. As Frenchie and Father Burke arrive to help Irene, she tries to explain that she was praying with the nuns to keep the evil away, but it is revealed that the nuns were already dead. It is now up to the trio to seal away and stop the demon. Sister Irene is given her rights and becomes an official nun, as she had not taken her vows before coming on this investigation. Sister Irene, who has been having strange visions, uses her gift to find the blood of Christ, which was sealed in a hidden location. The group takes the vial and heads down into the depths of the convent. The three get separated, and as Irene is searching, she is soon overcome by the creature 
and is possessed. Frenchie then finds Irene, and before the creature can kill him, he spreads the blood on his hand and across her face to release her from the demon's grasp. Spoiler warning, skip ahead. Sister Irene is thrown into a room filled with water. She spots the vial containing the blood of Christ floating at the surface, but she is attacked by the demon. Just as the demon believes she is dead, Valak raises her from the water, and Sister Irene spits the blood on the creature's face, defeating it. Or so they think. As the team is ready to leave, it is revealed that Frenchie has the symbol of an upside-down cross in his neck, clearly made by the demon. We flash to twenty years later, as Ed and Lorraine Warren are giving a lecture on exorcism. The video they are playing is of Frenchie being exercised. The end. Alrighty. We're back, guys! Hell yeah, we're back. Okay. With a slightly different format. So, mm -hmm. going forward for the rest of the year, it's going to be a little different. We will be... Obviously, like we were saying, it's going to be a year of franchises. So, that means we will be having shorter film sections uh, and kind of shorter notes since we have multiple films we'll be doing. Uh, just like in the beginning... In this one, there are three different movies, so we're kind of spacing them out. So we'll go into our notes and things like that, and then we'll move on to the next movie. Just expect to be sitting on some franchises for a little while, so. Yeah, yeah. This whole year. Get year comfy. franchises, my Get dudes. Get comfy. Yeah. Be, be aware of the new kind of uh, setup we've got going on. Yes. For this one. Alrighty, so this film was released September 7th, 2018. Mm -hmm. The director is Corinne Hardy. Mm -hmm. The story is by James Wan and Gary Doberman. Distributed by Warner Bros. and Warner Bros. Pictures. Uh, their budget was $22 million. Box office was crazy. Was fucking insane. Crazy. It was $366 million. Oh, I think that's the most that we've gotten that, so far. Maybe I actually don't know that. We'd have but, to go and look because, but that's but so it's the most that a Conjuring movie has ever made in the box office. Yes, yes, yes. Because that was a crazy film. Yeah, yes, it was. I remember watching in theaters. I went for my birthday, <laughs> like I do. All things spooky. Yeah, yeah. But yeah, it has an hour and a half runtime. 96 minutes. Not bad, not bad. No. But what shocked me the most was the fact that this movie, despite its box office amount, yeah, only got a 24% on Rotten Tomatoes. I'm, so I'm sorry. What did you just say? 24% on Rotten Tomatoes. That doesn't feel right. But it is. But it is. That doesn't feel like that makes any fucking sense. It, I, I mean, yeah, it's been a know. really long time, so it's had a really long time to ruminate with yes. like reviews and shit. Yes. But like, that still doesn't feel right. And like, even with my one star reviews, like there aren't that many bad ones. So it's like, so who panned this? Who decided that it was like a pant? Okay, never mind. I take that back. There are a few weird things about it. But, but like, I, I have think no we've idea. Ever had a film so far that was. That low. That low, yeah. And there have been some... Oh, wait, what was... No, all of them... 
even would you rather i think had a higher score a higher score than this um and that fucking movie was so shit. i don't really know uh why it was like this i love this movie yeah, it's i've a great seen movie. it a lot of times not everyone agrees but that's fine i just don't understand how it made that much in the box office and then has that kind of rating it, yeah that feels like there's something weird going on there yeah but with that we have our main actors mm-hmm. again i will never know how to pronounce their names <laughs> but we're gonna try we will try you think we would look this up but no we just that's gonna be the running joke it's of the this whole thing. it's the m- magic of us yes uh well first to i'm gonna attempt it mm-hmm. it's tesa farminga i know farminga yeah farming is easy but she is sister irene Mm-hmm. We have Bonnie Ahrens as the demon nun. Hell yeah. Jonas Bloquet as Frenchie or Maurice. Mm-hmm. And Demian mm-hmm. Butcher as Father Burke. I probably will go with that. Butchered that all name. of those names, <laughs> but you know, that's okay. Oh, fuck. That's, okay. that's so funny. <laughs> oh, I enjoy this. Anyway, um, <laughs> well, I hope so. It definitely feels like it's been a while, but like not at the same time. Yeah, it feels like we're getting back into it a little bit. Yeah. So, yeah. Bear, bear, with us Mm -hmm. yeah so most of the time when i've seen how long films take to be created Mm -hmm. i feel like it's like a couple of months yeah which is shocking because you'd think you know with how it might be a little longer with how longer but they're actually like maybe three months max well to to like film the normal like to film the entire thing yeah yeah filming that makes sense to me because then you go into post-production and like you got to do all that stuff, and that is usually the bulk of everything. The filming for the nun only took thirty-eight days. Wow. Well, I mean that makes sense to me. Like they were going to a bunch of different fucking locations. There was like what two, one? There was three, one like one main location, location, and then a couple like like a few spots, like the spots that only had like a few minutes in the shot. Like yeah, I think there was like a Vatican scene. There was obviously the convent that Irene was at beforehand. Yeah. yeah. And then like the their, train, their little, little village, train, little like trainee spot when they were like, bye. Yeah. And Frenchie's like house village area. Yeah. 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 Like not a whole lot. So yeah. Yeah. But like 90% of the movie is the convent, the convent in Romania, in Romania. So their sets were kind of interesting because so the big, climactic set the one with the water yeah was a giant water tank that's cool and it was kind of crazy because there was someone i looked up and they had gone they were able to like go in and see the different sets and stuff like that and kind of experience them so from the outside they would look just like these giant like very blank facades and then when they went inside they couldn't tell the difference between like an elaborate they had like elaborate spiraling dungeon staircases yeah. it was damp mildewy smelling and Gross. there was even like a chill running through the air i would get sick immediately <laughs> and they had like water dripping down the walls and pooling in the center of the floor so they had like the right atmosphere for it you know what i mean mm-hmm. and they uh on the shoot so it's basically they've been sh- they were shooting for almost eight weeks so they'd been shooting and doing stuff for eight weeks but mm-hmm. uh, the total number of days that i think they filmed because you also have to like days. set up and, and yes yeah, that makes sense and like set up all the different things and things like that so and also makeup and all that kind of stuff yeah so farminga she was like 
we've been shooting. It's almost been eight weeks now. And it was four nights into like one of their times and she let like her guard down and she had a really terrible night's sleep and had hard time letting herself like relax to go to sleep and it was right after they shot the scene in the water in the water because mm. it's a beautiful set and obviously it's filled with water and it had stunt scenes and it was like an emotional and demonic scene yeah and she and she was like i like had after we shot that scene, I had, like, difficulty sleeping. Wow. Which it was pretty crazy. The it's evil a- entered her body. Yeah. And she, like, it's the defeating of things, you know, like, thinking you defeated it. Yeah. But it's not really gone. It, yeah. God. And it just gets worse later. Haha. <laughs> Oof. The film set designer, Jennifer Spence, who had been on multiple different films from Insidious Chapter 2 to Annabelle Creation, which is our next one. And lights out and basically like all really good. The vast majority of the paranormal activity series she had worked on. Wow. So they had to have a pool that was deep enough so that the nun could go right under the water. But they also had to have like some structural stuff so that it was like structurally sound. Yeah. Because of the fact that there was lots of stunts and stunt work being done in this enormous location and do you know how big it was um not i didn't get any dimensions but it's a pretty big place big old fish tank essentially but it's also like it's it's a really large space but it's meant to look like a really contained uh undercroft kind of area where that whole showdown happens And I guess in the early drawings of Corinne's sketches, which he does a lot, I guess, when they were filming and first prepping, because he's, I guess, a really good drawer. So he got a lot of tremendous, like, they got vision from it. So they were able to, like, work with his images. That's always really helpful as a director. When you can draw and then you could, like, get all the details that you need so that when you give it to your set designers, they can Mm -hmm. actually, like, fulfill what you're wanting it to look like. what you want it to be. It came down to this, like, funnel. Mm -hmm. So the Undercroft feels like it's actually under the castle. Like, somewhere uh, there's this area where all the evil comes out of. So that's how it's got to be the shape that it is. Yeah. So it's that kind of circular Mm -hmm. feeling. And then, obviously... The aspect of the nuns, like, architecture and everything like that is a gothic aesthetic. It's got that, like, gothic feel to it. Yes. And it sets it apart from most contemporary and suburban settings of other films in the Conjuring franchise in general. Oh, for sure. Like, it's definitely... It has... It sets itself apart. When it came out, like, it definitely was different. Like, the most different. Yeah. From any of the other movies that we had seen so far. Yeah, because it it's, you know, it transports the audience to a remote and decaying Carta monastery in Romania. And like most movies in this franchise, like there's a lot of other people. Yes. So you don't feel as secluded. But in this, like there's only like a handful of people of individuals. And like then you find out that the people that you thought were alive, alive were or not never even there to begin with. Exactly. So it's very creepy. And even they were saying that this kind of remote feeling 
creates a palpable sense of isolation and foreboding. Yeah. Um, Because the crumbling stone walls, the shadowy corridors, and the dimly lit chambers of the monastery contribute to the film's eerie atmosphere. All super creepy, yes. Because the director, Hardy, used use of gothic architecture for the set design, adds a layer of historical depth, making the nun feel like a period piece. Which is a stark contrast to the modern day settings of the other films yeah, in the series. For sure. So it has this like historical quality to it that the other ones have a more like you can relate closer to the other ones. Yeah, because it's definitely closer in time period and just how modern it is. Versus, exactly. You know. And it's even just fascinating that the idea of the fact that so so semi side note, but not really. We're going to inform you guys right now. The films and the order that we're doing them is in chronological order. Yes. Not in release order. Mm-hmm. Which is why it's starting with The, the nun. nun. Because this happens in 1952. Which honestly even feels like it goes back even earlier than that. Yeah. But it's definitely the way they set like... It up. We... All of the films we're following, depending on like... If we're only doing a handful of them... It will be in chronological order. Yeah. And you will find that out real fast based on how we're watching the films. Yeah. So like every franchise we do, just exactly. expect it. Because yeah. we like timelines. Yes. <laughs> it makes it a lot easier for to us. To follow. And yeah. easier to follow, especially in the podcast. If we're like going in timeline order, it's easier for you guys to follow as well. Exactly. So we're not jumping around everywhere trying to figure out what came when. And you can also kind of, you can feel the connection between the films. Like yes. you can see the progression of time. It's interesting that the next one is Annabelle Creation and then The Nun 2. Yeah. So that's fascinating. Because mm-hmm. you'd the think that, that both happens. of The Nuns would be and then we would get Annabelle Creation. So it's fascinating. Yeah. So one of the, obviously, the big weapon of power is the blood of Christ. Mm-hmm. And basically the... It's Which a, I want to know what how they got that. Like, oh, like who... Did he use it? Or no, like no, no. Who in the universe took, who fucking found who, the blood of fucking Christ? No, I want to know who decided to take the blood from him, from his veins, and put it into a vial and hide it somewhere. Whose idea was that? I guarantee you there's something written somewhere about someone who did or it. Or did it happen after he died? Like, did they take his blood when he was dead? I would assume it's probably like the hanging on the cross moment. Because he'd been stabbed at that point. Yeah, I don't know, man. I probably should have looked that up. How did they get the blood of Christ? You know? <laughs> so, obviously... Is that a real relic? You know I, what? You know, I guarantee you it is. Hold. Because it's like a, a main part of the story. You're, like, told about it fairly early. Blood of Christ, also known as the most precious blood in Christian theology, refers to the physical blood actually shed by Jesus Christ primarily on the cross. Knew it. Yes. And the salvation which Christianity teaches was accomplished thereby, or the sacramental blood, wine, present in the Eucharist. (laughs) Is that the word? Yes, that's the word. Fuck yeah, it was. I got it. (laughs) Or the Lord's Supper. Um, So I'm not even Christian. I just know that it's Eucharist. Yeah, I didn't. I don't even know what that is. Sorry uh, to you, Christian folk who listen to us. We love you. I just Uh, know how it's pronounced. (laughs) uh, It says, "Where's the?" Jesus Christ's blood kept. Uh, it says the Basilica of the Holy Blood. Yeah, that's that's what it says. It doesn't say like who, like uh, speculates who was the one who took it. 
in the beginning? Christ's blood is preserved in a Belgian town. Yeah, the Basilica of the Holy Blood. A 12th century chapel in the medieval town of Bruges, Belgium, Mm. which houses a revered vial containing cloth stained with the actual blood of Christ from when he was hung on the cross. But it doesn't say anything about like who would have... Well, it's probably... Who had the bright idea to be like, well, I'm gonna just get a little bit of this. Yeah. But it's just, it's interesting because like, obviously after that long, blood would be... Yeah, not, it would not, no. Not a thing. (laughs) But it's, but we also have to take in the supernatural element. And how he's holy and Jesus. So it's kind of, think about it in D&D terms. Magical artifacts cannot be destroyed. Yeah. Yeah. If you are a D&D person like like us. Unless you do like some crazy shit to destroy that artifact, but usually very um, uh, magical artifacts in D and D cannot be broken. Yeah, so I just didn't know, but uh, apparently it's a cloth that has that it has his it. blood yeah. on it that's in a vial. So it's a real thing. It's a real relic. Yeah, but it's in Belgium. But not the one in the, the show, a convent in Romania. The one in the movie is like a legit ass vial, vial of, of actual blood. blood like in like a glass yeah, thing like liquidy you could shake it and it's all there was a um during halloween time last year when spirit halloween was out there was a uh like a framed image of that oh and it said break oh yeah break with needed and there was like mm-hmm. a crack in the thing. yeah so i thought that was cool that is cool but yeah so obviously because this is a very religious and faith themed film mm-hmm. and it's central to the plot it can combat malevolent forces so the combination of like religious symbols with horror elements yeah is what makes the nun a unique entry into the conjuring series no for sure as it explores more of the supernatural from a more spiritual perspective yeah so it's definitely interesting because i feel like it helps even later stuff with the conjuring series in general because it kind of explains more things and there's this like really dark fucked up and now and now there's some cool shit we'll get to it and when we get to doing and talking about the nun too but there's some fascinating shit that kind of explains more things now about the quote unquote chronological process of the conjuring films in regards to how it became so powerful so yeah and we will discuss that in this episode. Because the nun, cause the initial nun film, like, yes, scary, powerful, feels demonic. Mm-hmm. But there's, like, it, but it feels like it's a demon mm-hmm. who's, like, just, you know, trying to lash out and... Wreak havoc. Wreak havoc. So there's definitely, like, a intent in the next one. So what you got for me? Well, speaking of... Valak in this demonic presence. Yes. I just wanted to do some research on Valak in general. In general. Yeah. Um yeah. who Valak is, where in history they come from. Um and yes, it's a demon, but in description terms, like the actual demon itself. Yeah. The non-conjuring universe. In the non-conjuring universe, apparently he's a tiny baby. A tiny baby with angel wings who rides a two-headed dragon. Yeah. I'm sorry. Yeah. I'm supposed to be scared of that? (laughs) Yes. Yeah. Um, The Conjuring conjuring made a very scary Valak. Well, that's because it was trying to 
that was the version that it was allowing other people to see. Well, yeah, because it's also the idea of it's mocking. Yeah, mocking, it's mocking and also testing your faith and all of that. But yeah, it's a baby with angel wings who rides a two-headed dragon. <laughs> <laughs> so, and he has a lot to do with serpents and gives answers about hidden treasures. Okay. That's pretty much what the description was. Interesting. So in like a weird turnaround way... Both of the Nun films kind of implement that aspect just with the idea of, like, them finding the blood of Christ. Like, it's a treasure. Yeah. Yeah. So there's that element of, like, finding treasure. And what's interesting to me is, um, we'll get into it. In both of the Nun films, Valak uses the image of a little boy. Yes. In both of them. Yes. So that's also interesting. So the fact that they took Valak, who is actually a male demon, and as so he is depicted, but made it more feminine, yeah, is really made interesting. It a nun to is me. interesting. Yeah, and Bonnie, you killed it. The fucking nun is terrifying. Yes, congrats. Agreed. You do a fucking bang up job. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Through all of the movies, and I think it's funny because a lot of people make the joke of like, "Damn, I'd be so hurt if I were picked to play." A like demon, a monster monster looking thing like the villain just because of my nose nah man her jawbone is her jaw Crazy. her face she's beautiful she's fucking stunning have she's you seen her oh my god she like, is the, you could cut pay, you could cut things with her cheeks yes, yes. she is got such a intense mm-hmm. it's so long and narrow yes. and just like so dimensional she is, she is a renaissance painting waiting yes. waiting to happen which Makes sense why they picked her for the nun. Yeah, it's perfect. It is. It really is. Uh, she can play evil and beautiful very well. Because even the nun has like, when it's not in its like really scary forms, there's this really porcelain, yeah, like mm-hmm. calm visual to it. So it's unless it is attacking you, unless and it is coming you, at then you, then it is and... absolutely fucking terrifying. Yes. One of the most scary scenes for me, I think, is in The Conjuring 2, I want to say. And it involves Valak when we're first, like, introduced. I hate it so much. It's so scary. But yeah, there's talk a, about that. There's a lot of fascinating scenes that involve Valak that yeah. is throughout all of the films. What I will say, they showed us that one scene that I'm talking about in Conjuring 2. Yeah. And then they kind of just stuck with that being... Valak shtick <laughs> like popping out of paintings and it's a like, cool fucking scene it is it's a they cool fucking do concept it a lot yes they do it a lot and then it becomes a little predictable i will say yeah. that is one thing i will say yeah as much as i love the conjuring series they just kind of took one thing and ran with well, it well that is why of... i think i like the one thing that had to do with in the nun too because it was so different. It was. And different. I loved that. that I mean, was it was such similar, a cool fucking concept. But it was, yeah. Agreed. So now I'm going to talk about a little bit of the history of Valak and where they come from. I think most people would probably know this history because it's pretty basic. But even if you aren't religious in any way. Yeah. Valak was an angel yep. before they became a demon. And once Lucifer rebelled against God, yep. he gathered a whole bunch of other angels to come with him yep and while lucifer became satan 
Valak and a bunch of the other angels he brought with him became demons. Yes, yes. That is the history. So Valak was stripped of angel status and all of their special powers that they had as an angel. Yeah, because there's very different. There's a very different aspect of abilities based on what I thought was really cool was that we have a little bit of a connection here with a different movie huh. that we've talked about. So I don't know if anybody remembers me talking about The Lesser Key of Solomon, which is basically a book about demons. Yeah, that- I know The Lesser Key of, Co- Lesser key of, key Sol- of Solomon. I know that. Yes. Yeah. So Payman oh, is, on, shit. is in this book. Huh. I've mentioned this before. And so is Valak. Oh, Valak is also in this book. In this book, there are 72 different demons. Wow. And... Valak is only listed as 62. So it's, he's kind of really low on the on the roster. Is the book like, does it list it in like it, po- okay. most powerful to least powerful? That's my thinking. Because like... Or is it alphabetical? You know, I didn't even think about that. Because alphabetical could, I actually it could have explain no idea, why that's in the back. Yeah, it's because it's it says it's an encyclopedia. It's an encyclopedia, which would be alphabetical. So, but Valak is so well, yeah, because it starts with a V. Yeah. So al- if it's an al- encyclopedia, so it's by alphabetical. You're, there's ten more demons with Weird. W X Y and Z, Do or maybe more. Do you comprehend? I get the how religion works. What do you mean? And they just they put yeah. letters in places. Yeah, that's fair. And then make a pronunciation that doesn't feel like it makes sense. That's okay. That's okay. <laughs> In this encyclopedia, it gives a description on how to banish each of gotcha. these demons if you were to encounter them. It's a fantastic beast and how to f- and where to find them, but just like demon. Basically, yeah. Ah, it was written by S.L. McGregor Mathers. That's who it was written by just in case you know Hmm. so basically they said it in the movie but i'm gonna restate it just you know to give some more background we have the saint carta monastery and it was built in romania by a duke in the 1200s yep it was built by a duke in the 1200s he became obsessed with dark magic and satan and decided to do some rituals to to summon demons Mm mm-hmm because he's stupid. Yep. But as he was doing that, he was then killed by the Knights Templar. Gotcha. So he made a demonic, like a satanic monastery? Basically. Yeah. Gotcha. And the Knights Templar are classic and they're like... I think it's interesting. because are like, you fuck you, you die. That's at least the story. Well, yeah. So basically he built it and then decided to summon some things. And then the Knights Templar killed him and then sealed off the thing with the blood of christ yes that's at least the story in the nun and then some of it has some truth to it like years later it being bombed by world war ii yes but then that being the reason that the evil spirit was released from its imprisonment yeah is because of the bombs yeah because it cracked the the foundations and stuff i want to talk a little bit about the knights templar just a little bit because i had no idea who these people were well you didn't know about the Knights Templar? Okay, I feel like so stupid every time I do research. My dad was like, "You're not an ancient aliens or ancient history kid. I'm not, not, I'm not, not on the same level as like I'm, I was. I'm just, I'm just not." But even my dad was like, "You don't know who Wes Craven is? I do now." Oh my, yeah. When I you do said that now. you did not know who Wes Craven was, I was like, when you were like, who? I was like, what? <laughs> what just happened? He came to me. He was like, what are you saying right now? I know who he is now. All yes. right. 
<laughs> I know now. We I will have Wes Craven films later on in the year. Yes. Yes. There is one Wes Craven film I want to watch. It's called Red Eye. Apparently it's about um, being on a flight. And it's like a psychological thriller. Mm. That's so off topic. but So off topic. You see yes. what I mean? I'm learning. I'm growing. I want to like seek out You need out to get Wes on the Craven History Channel now. and just watch some weird shit. Mm. I'm more into fantasy and fake things. So. Well, you know, if you watched them, you'd feel like that real fast. That's fair. <laughs> so basically the Knights Templar, if you don't know who they are, uh, they were endorsed by the Roman Catholic Church in the 1100s. Yep, they are religious warriors. Yes, they are religious warriors. They are very distinct with white mantles and a red cross. Mm-hmm. And they were the most skilled fighters yep. of the Crusades. Hell yeah, they were. So that's who they are. And, and they, they have like people up. And there are different groups of them in like each country. Yeah. You know, for obvious reasons. Yes. So that's them. I did some research on the actual St. Carta Monastery. Yeah. Because I wanted to know like actual history about that. It, yeah. So it was formed in the two, uh, 1200s uh, and is the oldest Gothic church in Eastern Europe. Cool. That actually stands. And Maybe is one believed- day we'll have to go check it out. Yes, I was literally thinking know, about this. Yeah. I was thinking about this. Because once I read that it is believed to be one of the most haunted places of all of Romania. Oh, fuck yeah. I was like, yeah, we're going to go make some ghost friends. But we are also fucking getting blessed and also uh, cleansed right after. Well, yeah, that's why we have your mom and my dad. <laughs> um, so during the medieval times, monks lived here, worked here, mm-hmm. did their things. They would wake up at three in the morning, every morning, to work, hard labors. They didn't have very much food. They lived in very small living areas, and life expectancy didn't go above the age of 40. Yep. So it was very rough during that time, and that's why there are so many people buried there, Yeah. and like their bodies are still there mm-hmm. to this day. So obviously, why would you dig that up yeah <laughs> just leave them there and although it has never been haunted by none there have been many many reports of poltergeist activity gotcha happening around there and i saw some pictures and it actually is really beautiful so yeah yeah that's pretty but, awesome yeah that's that's pretty much what it is you got me some 20 star reviews i do but after I give a jump scare count. Yes, yes. A new little thing. When we are able to find out how many jump scares there are in a film, we will let you know how many. Yes. Some of them. Yeah, one of them, I don't know. Not all of them have them listed. But now I know for future reference that when we watch horror films. We can count them. I'm going to keep count. And then we're also going to tell you. Because the one you don't know is the one that we literally just like rewatched. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) So, for this movie, there were 21 jump scares. Wow. Which is a lot. That's a, that is a lot. For an hour and a half. Yeah. That's like... That is a lot. One every... Like five... Quick math. Five, ten minutes? That's a jump scare every four minutes. <laughs> Damn. That's a jump scare every four minutes, just about. Wow. Uh, so... So, essentially, like, every four to five minutes, you'd get we'd get a new jump scare. Yeah. Damn. Yeah. And obviously some aren't as intense as others. Yes. Like so you're not actually gonna really jump, but it is a yes. scare that happens. So whether it's subtle or very intentional. What was your Oh, what is what would be considered my the worst scare in that film for me? Yeah. It's been a while. It has. I'm also trying to think because there's a lot. 
Yeah, there's a lot. Um, I don't know. Um, shit. I'm also trying not to make up mix up my my movie jump scares. Mm-hmm. I can let you know because I've seen these movies um enough. I don't know, man. The for me, the one that gets me every time. Yeah, and it's really stupid too. It's not even like a huge one, I don't think. But it actually no, it might be. It's when Frenchie's running through the. Is it Frenchie? Is Frenchie the one running through the graveyard? Yes. And I was then, about to say that, and too. And then he sees a nun, and it yes. drops on him from the tree. Yes. Oh, It gets me every time. And I know it's there, but it <laughs> still hurts. So. I guess uh, something that's... Because I was going to say so- that similar. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I was going to say that, too. Yeah. I was like, isn't there, like, a nun in, in, a, in the graveyard? <laughs> yeah. Yes. Um, But something that's... I feel like was a really unsettling scene in that was the mirror scene where she's standing in front of that like massive fucking mirror mm, mm-hmm. and you just see the nut. Yeah. And it's, it's almost like it's, so she's in the little, uh, she's in the church area yeah. of the, kind of like a, the chapel area. area. And there's like a giant Jesus statue. Yes. And she like walks from behind her in the mirror towards the Jesus statue and then, like, knocks it over. Yes. It's really scary. It's a really fascinating point. Yes. But, yeah. So, yeah, I have some one-star reviews from you. From you. For you. (laughs) Of you and about you. Yes. (laughs) So, be ready. Let me... I thought this was so funny. Because... Let me just read it. Maybe you'll find it funny, too. This movie is misogynistic to assume that women with masculine features are fearful. Women are capable of being fearful regardless of their appearance. The filmmaker's decision to make the nun appear as masculine as possible is likely a reflection of their own cultural biases about what constitutes femininity and masculinity. This is a harmful stereotype that can contribute to the marginalization and discrimination of women with masculine features. Did you watch the movie? Did you watch the movie? Clearly, you don't know the history of the actual demon. As we like, it actually is a man. Yeah. It's a male demon, which obviously not a lot of people know that. No, not a lot of people would know that. But even without that part. Who cares? I disagree here. I disagree hardcore. Like, to me, demons, honestly, don't really have a gender. Even though he is depicted as male, like, I don't think demons... There is they Conform can be whatever to constructs they want. such as gender. They are whatever they want to be. They can take the form of whatever they want. It's so, the idea. It's it's a similar concept, like the idea that a lot of people think that incubuses and succubuses are two different creatures. Yeah. In reality, nine times out of ten, they're the same creature. They just they just alter their appearance. Yeah. Based on the person what, they're going after. Yeah. So, and what their desires might exactly. be. So it's that concept. Like, they're just... I think... Here's the thing. They're whatever they want to be. Obviously, when you're making a movie, and it's a horror-type thing... Yeah. You are going to intentionally have a little bit of You're going to have sway. it... You're going to un... You're going to take away some of that beautification... Yeah. ...that she would have. And one way to do that, you know, is to not accentuate probably her more like as we were saying like she's a very beautiful person yeah, like, in real life so stunning. in order to like make it not 
as prominent, you're going to have to decrease some of those features and turn it into something darker and scarier. And But like, even just like I was saying, she's still like the nun figure, the nun character, mm-hmm. when not in its scariest form, still has like a ethereal beauty. Yeah. Because it's also that concept that it also was once an angel. Mm-hmm. It was, and you see that in the nun too. You definitely see that in the nun too. Mm-hmm. Yes. That is a very prominent yeah. piece. I feel like you get more, like, even though the the nun character does not speak, it feels like you get to know the nun creature more in the second film. Yeah, you get to know their history a little more and what they're after. And, and like, kind why, of, they, why they do what they do. Exactly. But, so, while I agree with you that women don't need to be... F- masculine to be fearful that's obviously true but that's not the main takeaway from this and there are so many movies that have female villains that are just very feminine very feminine and are like i'm a fucking ruin your day so i don't like that this person just attacked so hard onto that like that seems like some inner stuff yeah you might want to deal with mm-hmm. if you are a woman i'm sure you are very beautiful i'm sure there are so many you know yeah who cares what social media says exactly. all women are beautiful nothing is really nothing can define a woman nowadays like yeah nothing nothing can nothing really define defines a, woman. a woman it's just how you feel and who yeah you it's feel how you, you are feel. so it, being a woman is how you feel mm-hmm and mm-hmm. power to us hell yeah Anyway, let's get off that. (laughs) The next person said, Coming from someone who doesn't know anything about religion, this movie is confusing. Uh Uh-huh. Duh. No shit. First of all, it's not scary and the effects and makeup are horrendous. Not a good horrendous. It looks low quality. (laughs) The movie is boring and long stretched out and not scary and it was horrible. I don't suggest. If you want to watch The Conjuring movies, skip this one. I think that's wrong. I don't think you should skip movies within a franchise. No. Because you're not going to get important. all the information. I mean, okay, okay. Do you not remember the fucking Marvel bullshit? Where you ha- if you missed Just any anything, of the fucking movies, you were, you were fucking lost. on the... Like, m- missing shit. I will say things like Friday the 13th. Girl, we'll, and we're some Halloween get there. movies. That's a different case. Uh, like I love the Halloween films. Not I, like for real, for real. I love the Halloween films. Mm-hmm. The first one is really slow, but the point is, is it's the same concept as this one. It's suspenseful. Mm-hmm. Suspense does not mean, even though there are twenty-one scares, just because I think there are only like five major scares. None of them are. Raw, I'm gonna get you. No, they're subtle. They're uh, as the character walks away, it's behind them. Mm-hmm. It's um, like those kinds of yeah, a visage of something happening. Mm-hmm. You know, they're not meant. Not every horror film has to be up in your face with the fear. Correct. So the other big problem, it's it's kind of like again. Uh, uh, because we're D&D people, I'm going to reference D&D. It's a difference between role play and combat. Some people love combat. Yeah. Some people love role play. I love the role play part. I love the role play. I'm not that fa- big of a fan of combat. Same. I'm okay with combat, but here's the difference. 
my mom loves combat is not a big fan of role play like she likes it but but she's been doing so good with the role play because when we watch critical role she's more likely to fall asleep or stop not pay as much attention to when they're role playing than when they're doing combat whereas it's the opposite Opposite for for me me. i get so invested in their stories and And then when they're doing combat i'm more likely to become distracted by doing something else i'm that girl who when i play video games the story is my fucking life i play combat on easy that's what i do (laughs) and if i ever who knows maybe if i ever have a video game channel yes that might not happen but you know you never know if we ever have our own twitch channels and things like that yeah it it will definitely but i hope you guys know i will be playing for the plot line not the combat yes and i okay so we are not dark souls people you will not get us in that realm so just i'm giving you guys a hint because y'all are the podcast listeners but i will never tell the twitch people that I'm playing on easy. <laughs> They're just going to think I'm gods just ripping through these people. A oh, girl, they will immediately no, when you start they the game know. and they they'll be know. like, "Oh yeah. yeah, she selected easy. She selected easy." Yeah. What if I just I just I'm a normal girly. To make it look like I'm a normal girly. Mhm. I just I go balanced. I go no. whatever the creator of the game says like this is the best best for the most balanced experience i used to be that person but i realized i'm really bad at combat (laughs) so no whereas i'm a little bit different than you and also i play i think i play a little bit different games than you probably but i think you would like some of the games that i play yeah Yeah. that was just that was just weird to me i I mean obviously if you know nothing about this religion about religion it's going it's going to be confusing because it's still a beautiful film and the quality even now is not bad 2018 to now is not that bad. Like watching it back. Oh yeah, no. The graphics look fine, and the it's makeup only been looks great. Five, six years. Yeah, that's, that's nothing. That's nothing. Fucking go back to 2000 and watch a movie from then. Yeah. Okay, the last one star review I thought was hilarious. I just had to save it for last. I would say Monster House is scarier, mostly because I have PTSD from seeing it when I was four. But that's a different <laughs> story, honestly. Same. I love Monster House. It's a, I played the video game too. That shit was good. Yeah. This should be rated as a PG movie at a push. Although, Valak is really hot and no one can tell me different. In this case, is it a romance movie? The Nun 2 should be about me and Valak in a romance movie. Wait, was that actually the review? Yes. Oh my god. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Um, I mean, everyone can be horny for whatever they want to be horny for. That's what I'm saying. Like, Valak is sexy, and that's why I'm mad at that other comment for being like, masculine. Okay. Clearly, you're just not the type. If this dude can like Valak, clearly. Well, then you don't have to be judgmental towards their appearance. Right. Yeah. I think Valak's kind of (laughs) sexy. Especially in the second movie. Facts. Yeah? That fucking look after the, the, like, bing, and you're like, Yeah, yup. That like smirk of like, mm-hmm. haha, fuckers. I'm yep, like, yup, yup. I get it. Especially when it's coming out of the painting, look like a little shark. <laughs> <laughs> mm, oh, grinds my gears. That's just so funny. Grinds my gears. Oh, that is so effing funny. Ugh. So, yeah. So that was the nun. So that means now we are officially on to. Annabelle creation. This story takes place in 1950s California. 
the Mullins family get a flat tire on their way back from church. While trying to change the tire, Mr. Mullins drops a tool and it rolls into the road. Annabelle, their daughter, decides to run after the tool to retrieve it, but instead gets hit by a car, killing her. Many years later, the couple feels that their house is too empty and offers to host a group of orphan girls. After everyone has settled in, one of the girls, Janice, finds a note with the message, Find Me. Janice is then drawn to a locked room that used to be Annabelle's. Once she goes in, she finds a key in a dollhouse that replicates the actual house they are in. In the dollhouse, she sees a small door that mimics another door in the room she's in. Janice unlocks that door, revealing a doll in a rocking chair, surrounded by Bible pages glued to the wall. Very fucking creepy. That reveal is terrifying. Unfucking settling Especially with the way like the doll looks. Yes. Mm-mm. There's a later scene and I'm just like, I don't need you looking at me. Okay, thanks. Bye. <laughs> <laughs> Without knowing, Janice has now unleashed a malevolent spirit that begins to torment everyone in the house. While playing hide-and-seek, one of the orphan girls, Linda, hides in a cupboard under the stairs. She spots the doll in the corner as a demon grabs the doll and rips it backwards. Linda, scared out of her mind, falls out of the small space and the demon disappears. In another instance, two of the orphan girls are up late hiding under a blanket and making fun of Miss Mullins. When they hear a noise, suddenly the girls get attacked and grabbed by the face by the demon. When they try to see who grabbed them, no one was there. Janice, however, is targeted the most by the demon. When trying to go up the stairs using the stair lift, Janice is thrown out of her seat by the demon and falls to the floor, causing her to be put in a wheelchair. While trying to enjoy some time outside, an unseen entity posing as Sister Charlotte pushes Janice's wheelchair into the workshop. Janice is then chased and attacked by the demon who possesses her. Spoiler warning, skip ahead. Since Janice has been acting different, her bestie Linda takes notice and speaks to Mr. Mullins. She tells Mullins about the doll, who is immediately frightened and goes to search for Janice. He goes into the dining room where the doll, also known as Annabelle, is sitting at the head of the table. Now under the demon's control, Janice comes into the room and transforms into the demon, killing Mr. Mullins. Fucking terrifying i had literal chills just you you paused it on that section where she's turning into it Mm -hmm. and i literally was cowering in the corner it gave me inspiration for my photography thesis so yeah hell yeah it's a great Mm -hmm. ass scene it's fucking terrifying which i'm so honored to have (laughs) taken up that position Mm, yeah (laughs) go janice go (laughs) anyway Later that night, Linda starts to put clues together and realizes that the doll is responsible for all of the mayhem. While Janice is sleeping, Linda takes the Annabelle doll outside and tries to throw her in the well. 
but the Annabelle doll reappears in the house, causing Sister Charlotte to go speak with Mrs. Mullins about what is happening. Mrs. Mullins is terrified, but eventually tells her that when the couple lost their daughter, they believed her spirit asked permission to go into the doll. The situation was not as they thought, and instead allowed a demon to enter the doll. The demon attacked Mrs. Mullins, causing them to lock the doll up in their daughter's room. Later, Mrs. Mullins is found, ripped in half, hanging on the wall. Grody. Really fucking gross. Like, her guts are, like, out. Yeah, full on. And has her hands, like, in crucifixion position with fucking crosses. Mm Mm-hmm. Linda runs and hides from Janice in Annabelle's prison, where Annabelle is sitting in the rocking chair. I don't like that scene. No, because, because you she don't turns know the she's fuck in around there. And just the Annabelle doll is just sta- like full on staring, staring you in the eyes. And you're just like, I don't I don't want it. And you 100% agree with her when she fucking walks over and fucking moves her moves face over. Yeah, yep, yep. I don't want you to stare at me anymore. Okay, thanks. Bye-bye. Mm-hmm. Janice finds Linda and knocks her to the ground. But before she can do any harm, Sister Charlotte comes in, puts a rosary around her neck, and locks her in the prison. The house starts to shake and lights flicker. The police show up and check the small room to find Janice missing with a hole in the wall where she must have escaped. The house is blessed and the doll is taken away. We then see a couple at an orphanage who adopts Janice, who is now calling herself Annabelle. Twelve years later, Annabelle comes home and kills her parents in the middle of the night when the neighbors start to investigate the end Alrighty, so i'm not gonna lie out of all of the conjuring films this one was one of the scariest for me personally i don't know about anyone else but it's got some things it's got some fucking things it's got some things i think i'm gonna start with the jump count right now right now (laughs) go for it 23 damn how long is the movie it is (laughs) 109 minutes so it's pretty lengthy it's almost like two it's hours 100 and i yeah but like still that's that a fucking still a lot. lot because the scares that were in it yes. were scary yes scary they did not let up they did not play there was the well scene oh yeah where the hands grab her and pull her in mm-hmm, mm-hmm. cupboard freaked me out because yes, it was literally freaky. sitting there behind her and then you see the demon face, mm-hmm. and it's like, oh my god! The kitchen, the dining room scene is fucking the worst. Awful, absolutely awful. Um, the, oh, when Janice first goes into yes, Annabelle's room, and then like the tiny child with the sheet, yes, and is walking behind her, uh-huh. and then nothing is there. Mm-hmm. But that was still pretty scary. The doll sitting on the bed, yeah. <gasps> the fucking scarecrow oh the scarecrow scene but also the one scene where it's um linda who's mm-hmm. in the room upstairs by herself at this point yeah and she's like playing with the gun yes like the the ball gun mm-hmm. and then she goes to the top bunk and sees the demon in the bottom bunk yeah Ooh, not okay that just gave me chills talking about it <laughs> absolutely not 
Anyway. Uh, all right. So this movie was released August 11th, 2017. Yup. So this was before the previous one that we watched. Mm-hmm. Before Annabelle. Mm-hmm. Or before, before the, the nun. nun. And then the director is David F. Sandberg, distributed by Warner Bros. and Warner Bros. Pictures. Mm-hmm. The cinematographer was Maxime Alexander. Music by Benjamin Wallfish. Again, we'll never know the name. So I have the box office. Do you know what the like budget of the film was? What was it? Fifteen million. Which is pretty damn good for what they made. For the fact that they had three hundred and six point five million dollars in the box office. It's crazy. Fucking unreal. That's only sixty million less than the nun. And sixty million is what a lot of movies just make. Yes. Yes. That's just what they make. That is a fact. So this is a crazy expensive franchise. They have made buku money. Oh, hell yeah. So the fact that this one had 70% on Rotten Tomatoes is a lot better yeah. than not The as, Nun. Not as great, but also... Still not amazing. Yeah. But, you know. Um, we have our main actors. We have Talitha Bateman as Jan- Janice. Mm-hmm. Uh, Lulu Wilson as Linda, which I found out. I was like, I don't know how I never placed this. What? But you know my favorite little, my favorite little short series, Hill House. Yeah. She is Shirley. She's young Shirley. Oh. Yeah. She's one of the kids, one of the five. Oh shit. Yeah. But she has brown hair instead of, and it's curly instead of short, straight, blonde. Gotcha. So I guess it was Weird. like really so it throwing. was like yeah it threw me off a lot. But they really look like two different people. They really do, but she's gorgeous. Um, it's crazy. I don't know how I didn't know that. Yeah, we have Anthony Lapagil Lapaglia. <laughs> That's what I'm gonna say. <laughs> Anthony Lapaglia as Mr. Mullins, Miranda Otto as Esther Mullins also really good she's been a lot of horror stuff yeah samara lee as annabelle the young one little b yeah little b and that's all i really put because I, I was put, like um Meh. i put oh well Stephanie also sister Sigma charlotte right? as sister charlotte okay good yeah thank you because she's because she's a very important character she is she's very important the whole film. especially since i have a theory about that yes there's a fascinating theory in regards to all of that mm-hmm. but yeah actually there's a really fascinating concept between this and the nun yeah so the production designer uh jennifer spencer mm-hmm. was working on the nun while also this was going on yeah that makes sense i mean because like it only came out a year yeah in between were, each other so they obviously were working you're gonna have on some overlap with production roughly around the same time yeah and because like especially it, with how big both films exactly are. and they had the it was the gothic farmhouse yes. feel referencing vintage floor plans and laid the entire scheme out on the ground to Mm -hmm. get a sense of the scale that they would have so the whole story takes place inside the house the entire so they wanted it to be like a big space yeah and uh she was saying why they felt so so lonely yes and she was saying that like adding that Every shot was conceived in the original uh, design phase with uh, the set planned and built around the shots. Mm. So the set was built around. That's pretty cool. Everything else. Yeah. So I think that was a really fascinating 
little tidbit that kind of both were working on it. Yeah. And it was, there were ties to the idea. And then I like the fact that they really put the effort into making sure that the, the set felt vast, but lonely. Yeah, it definitely did. Especially with how big the farmhouse was and like it's just a couple and then a demon just hanging yes, with them yes um and especially with how big their land was yes that was huge. the fucking run that we watch when she takes the fucking annabelle doll all the way to the fucking well and yeah. it's like just middle of nothingness yeah there's nothing nothing the around them. just out in the middle of nothing yeah <laughs> and you're just like how far did you fucking run to get here yeah yeah because i when you turn around i don't see the house not it's really like, if anything is way off in the distance it's like, way back where did you go yeah it's crazy <laughs> so after conferencing about the best way to shoot uh the prequel which was this this is the prequel to annabelle yeah which was 2014 <laughs> i know That's yeah crazy. annabelle was in 2014 they had wow 10 years ago yes stop yes oh, annabelle is my 10, gosh. 10 years old i'm gonna throw up <laughs> I was four, 12 12 I was 12 wow 2014 oh I was uh um 19 you were still a teenager I was in high school yeah yeah the production designer and the director created two complete two scale sets of the house interior wow on stage 26 at Warner Bro Warner Bros Burbank mm -hmm. one for each floor oh okay so uh, the building created the perfect alignment of several visual elements. Such completeness was necessary because many of the shots move or point from one room to another, mm -hmm. including a very early scene in the film where the like excited girls uh, explore the is that a one shot entire lower level in a single yeah. tracking shot. Yeah, I love one shots. One shots are like they make me so giddy inside. So the whole point is is the house. It had to have very good alignment yeah. and visual perspectives because mm -hmm. they're literally running through the whole set and so, it's in one shot. So if the house is on like a lot, how do they get the land? Like where was that all? So I think that they did have a bit of location shoot, but a lot of that can be done inside with special effects. I'm sure the inside because you just put like green screen on the outside, but... Like yeah. the well and like being outside for the for the um the yeah. workshop area. Yeah. And yeah. Yeah. Like that whole thing is just one location other than when they go to church for like a second. Yes. Like it's even more so than the nun. Even though the nun feels way exactly. more secluded. It's very strange. And y what's really funny is that um, Jennifer Spencer, she was like, we've seen enough scary closets in horror films. Uh-huh. And so, but then they proceeded to put like they two wanted scary two central in here? elements, an old-fashioned dumbwaiter, mm. and a secret room under the grand staircase. Yeah, I hate both of those things. Yeah, that provides some of the most effective scares. Yeah. Yes. Like, cause I wouldn't quantify the Annabelle room as like a closet. Like it could I be. Feel like it was. It probably was, but it's definitely a fucking prison. <laughs> it's definitely a prison now. Yeah. It, it didn't get to be a closet for very fucking long. Mm -mm. Mm -mm. That's really morbid, but no, it did not. <laughs> it did not get to be a closet for yeah, very long. Yeah, because their kid was only like, what, like, Maybe. how old was she? She was seven, I think. 
between probably seven and eight. She was yeah, she was that young, and then they waited twelve years to invite anybody back. So, mm-hmm. 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 one of the scariest scenes is when uh, Lulu yep. Wilson's character of Linda is trying to con- escape mm-hmm. the the possessed Janice. Yes, in the house's dumbwaiter, mm-hmm. and she ends up in like that the basement, basement area. area. So she's disoriented for a second before she realizes that the top half of Esther Mullins' corpse is crumpled up in front of her. And suddenly the bloody-faced corpse springs to life and crawls in an almost inhuman way. It's disgusting. Towards her. And she manages to escape at the very last second. No, literally the last second. Literally the last mother-effing second. But... It was actually a later addition to the film. Well, they did good putting it in. They had. I want to know how the hell she got into the into the basement. Uh, yeah, but you know exactly. Whatever. So they had that scene shot later uh, with her crawling on the floor because Sandberg assured that there were no digital effects involved whatsoever. There's no digital effects in that scene. At all. Uh, what do you mean half of her is missing? I got to work with an amputee. What? Sandberg said that wasn't CGI. The thing I is, asked, like, I know people who are amputees like that and who do come into horror films and like... This was 100% no CGI because in I, that when scene. I was looking at the cast, they saw I saw a thing that said Esther Mullen's torso, like a girl who played that. I clicked on it and she had legs. No. The person who played the torso she wasn't is an amputee well you can have fucking do you understand no, that you I'm can saying have like, like she, lower body that's part that's not what i'm saying i'm like, saying like she was walking and standing what i'm expressing and like had actual well then they might have listed the wrong person but what i'm saying is is that it was not cgi and they asked can we find someone without legs which obviously freaked everyone out at their office but they found this woman without legs who was totally up for it. And so, and and was really, she was really into Unless it. Unless I'm crazy. No, they 100% worked with an amputee. So obviously they found someone who, they found a woman who didn't have legs and was really into it. Um, and she already looked kind of like uh, Miranda. Mm-hmm. And then we had some blood and hair and stuff stuck to her face to mm-hmm. cover it up. A little bit but yeah that's one of those weird things that they've always wanted to do yeah work with amputee people in horror movies because they can do cool things it's true and, and that's, that's how you expand your uh but i thought that that was really interesting because most of the time usually those kinds of scenes are cgi yeah so which, which is really the fact that it wasn't is even terrifying even more terrifying because that was an actual person fucking coming at her yeah i just i like the fact that they're being more expansive with the types of actors that they use yes and not just going off cgi i'm honestly a cgi hater i'll be the first to say it like i don't certain, hate cgi in certain aspects obviously it's important and it's crucial like with a lot of the stuff in marvel but i'm saying nowadays people are taking cgi to another level where it's like way too theatrical i think i think more and more movies and artists are being better about 
using it as a tool instead of a crutch. Good. Yes. That's what I like. Most of the time, because even the newer Avatar film and things like that, they mm. don't, they're not using them as a crutch. Mm -hmm. They're using them to enhance. And that's the whole point. That's what that tool is for. Yeah. You combine it so that the things that are a little bit more impossible to do as a human being, you can accomplish. Yes. So. Exactly. But yeah. So what you got? I have Annabelle Demon Lore. Ooh, cool. So. Because this is a whole other fucking demon this in this is an situation. entirely different demon named Malthus. Hmm. Also known as Halfus. <laughs> Malthus Halfus? Malthus Halfus. So it, this is another demon that is also in the Lesser Key of Solomon. Gotcha. So they they're are, all just fucking buddy buddies. Yes. Uh, it is number, they are number 38. Gotcha. In this list. Which means that they probably use the Halfus. Yes. Maybe. Somewhere in there. I don't two. know. I'd have to look at it and get back to you guys on whether or not yeah. uh, it is alphabetical. It most likely is. So for Halfus or Malthus, I'm just going to call him Malthus for. Yeah, Malthus. Yeah. Because that's what he's known as in this um franchise so <laughs> malthus can turn into either a dove or a stork okay so that's that's what they look like a dove or a stork and when they speak they have a really deep rough voice okay and that's all the description that i got um <laughs> but malthus has a lot of cool powers so one of their powers is construction so huh. bu building things, Weird. Um, but mainly uh, towers, okay. mainly builds towers and fills them with weapons. Gotcha. And bad things and armor and ammunition. So he got so he constructs these things and then he sends his legions into battle and that's what he does. He's basically very much, I'm going to build these weapon things. Gotcha. And then. So he's very war based. Yeah. Yes. So it is, a, it is said that he is a prince of Hinnistan. Hmm. Or Jinnistan. Probably Jinnistan. The country of the Jinn or Fairyland. Gotcha. Yeah. Which is also. The country of delight and the capital of the city of jewels, which is very interesting. Hmm. It's divided into two parts. So you have the desert of monsters and the desert of demons. And this is all this all stems from um, English and Scottish lore. Gotcha. So the fae. It's very much like the fae. Yeah, very fae like, which is which kind of makes sense when you talk about storks and doves because it's very like yeah. winged creatures and flight and. It it kind of reminded me of Howl's Moving Castle ah. a little bit. Like, that's the vision that I got. And their new Ghibli film f features a fucking dude who transforms into a heron. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mr. Robert Pattinson. It's crazy. Yeah. It's crazy. Anyway, so that's all that I could really find on Malthus. Like... It, He's just very war-based. Gotcha. Construction-based. Yeah. And that's basically who he is. Um, and is also in The Lesser Key of Solomon. He's kind of like the Hephaestus of demons. Yeah. Yeah. You could say that. And then I wanted to do a little bit of research on 
Annabelle yeah. herself? Like the actual yes, doll? Yes, the actual doll. So... Because it's a real doll. It's a real doll. But it is actually a Raggedy Ann doll. Yes. I know a lot of people know this story, but, you know, you, if you've you never You see the tie to it, it at the end of the film. Yeah. Because the, the... They have pictures. Adoptee parents hand her a Raggedy Ann, which is the, you know... The what actual the actual doll, Annabelle doll is. is so Annabelle doll like the Annabelle doll is based off of a, a real doll who is supposedly possessed by a demon mm-hmm. and is a locked fucking do not touch box yeah it says warning positively do not open yes I think I would say negatively do not open <laughs> I would say don't even uh, make eye contact with thing yeah no like looking at the pictures I was kind of like going like that yeah like hiding behind the hand so, it doesn't go back to the 1950s. The first ever haunting and first ever mention of the Annabelle doll is in 1970. Hmm. And you'll find out later in, like, the next... I think it's the next one? We do Annabelle soon? Is Annabelle, like, uh, the Annabelle, next I one? think, is in the next collection. Yeah. The next episode. You will find out more of, like, that history, but I will say that Basically, the doll was a gift to this nurse named Donna, and Donna lived in an apartment with her roommate, Angie, and the doll kept moving around, writing little notes for them. They brought in a psychic medium who held the seance, and they told the girls that the doll was inhabited by a deceased seven-year-old girl, gotcha. Annabelle Higgins. So, which is interesting, Mm because that's not Mullins. (laughs) No. First of all, that's not Mullins. The seven-year-old girl, this Annabelle girl, her body had been found years earlier on the site of their apartment building. Gotcha. So that's where that came from. and That's like the actual origins. This is the actual origins. And the medium told them that the spirit was nice, like was kind, benevolent, all of these things. And all they wanted was to be loved and cared for. Yeah. Obviously not true. Reality. Yeah. In the movie. They give permission. They're like, okay, yes, we give you permission. Because that kind of... In the... Which is a little confusing. Annabelle film. Mm-hmm. Like Annabelle. Not Annabelle creation. Yeah. But Annabelle. We get the like the after effect moment because the they've got them on the couch and they're like... We're giving you this because it's fucking causing shit. Yeah. Whereas in the Annabelle creation, it's the parents. Eventually, it was one of those situations where her spirit was walking around doing shit and then asked to go into the doll. Yeah. And then they let it go into the doll. Mm -hmm. Only to then find out that they fucked up. Yeah. So that's why I'm a little confused with this whole thing. Of, like, yeah. why Annabelle was tormenting them, asking to... Well, because initially in the film, they weren't being tormented. They were just... She was just active around the home, but, like, kind of out of the corner of the eye. You would see a glimpse of her. No. And things well, like that. Well, yeah, in, in the film. In reality... In reality, she was, like, fucking around and walking yeah, around and Yeah, because one of the... I think it was... It was Angie's boyfriend. His name is Lou. Uh, he was in the apartment while both of the girls were out and it said that he was attacked and that he had a searing pain in his chest and he found claw marks on it. Yeah. 
and then they went away. And so that's why the girls invited the psychic medium over yeah. to because they were because but also it's there's, was there's that side of demons that it's like they are very deceptive mm -hmm. so i'm not surprised that the medium was like oh she's they're fine mm -hmm. bop -da -bop. yeah it's because the the medium wasn't looking close enough yeah so when things got worse and the girls wanted the spirit out of their home they then called a priest who called another priest who then called Ed and Lorraine. Yeah. Who was finally brought in and all of these things. So, but yes, uh, the doll was basically asking the girls to take permanent residence in the doll. Yeah. Which is why I'm a little confused because it already has residence in the doll. So it's like... Uh... um, I would think it's like it wasn't maybe fully attached and it's just... And uh, that that is a little iffy but mm -hmm. it's one of those like situations that's a small little like, plot hole i think that's... i don't think it was here's what i will say i don't if it's if they're saying that it asked for permission to enter the doll i don't think it was attached or or possessing the doll yet i think it was just moving the doll but in annabelle creation in annabelle creation no in annabelle creation they were she was not she had not possessed the doll yet she was just a ghost in the home being perceived who then asked the Mullins yes. if they if, could yes. have permission. So they granted it permission and that's yes. when it attacked her. Yes. So it's already in the doll. So I'm a little confused why it's the, asking again. The demon asked permission to enter the doll in the movie. And the Mullins said yes. And then it existed as the kid until they started noticing things. So they locked the doll up in the room. They attempted to confront it, got attacked, locked the doll up. And then the doll got out. So the demon is still attached to the doll. Yes, the demon That's is still attached to the doll. That's why I'm confused why it's asking these girls if it can take up residence in the doll because it's already in the doll. What I'm saying is this is the actual history. The film is its own thing Oh my God, separate. oh my God. Yeah, yeah, you're right. I'm talking about the movies though. Yes. In the movies, there's a purpose. I see what you're saying. Yes. The film, this is it probably I was fucking with the doll and then asked for permission to go into the doll. I understand that this is the reality part of it, but even in the movies, it, it asks for permission. Yes. So that is the only thread between the two of them that is accurate. Yeah. But it's still like in the movies, they kind of mess that up. Obviously, this is the reality. Yes. And they just needed something previously. They needed a purpose as to why the doll is cursed. And yeah. Haunted. Yes. They needed a reason why. So they gave it a reason. A huge movie with a big, uh, big old box office. Yes. Reason. So, yeah. yeah, I understand that this is the reality of it. Yeah. But what I'm saying that's is that... That's the one thread that they kept the same, is that it was fucking around with the doll and then asked for permission to enter yeah. the doll. Yeah, so that's, like, the one plot hole between the movies that it's, yes. like, that doesn't really that make sense. That is different. Because it's... N because she's not really fucking with the doll. She is just existing in the house and then asks for permission to enter the doll. Yeah. Yeah, that's the difference. Yeah. But that's also what they show in yes. the movie. Which, yeah. Anyway. Anyway. Um, off of the doll and back on to Valak and demons and stuff. There was a little theory that I came across about Sister Charlotte. 
because we find out that Sister Charlotte is actually from the Romanian convent mm-hmm. that Sister Irene and Father Burke investigated in that first nun movie. Yes. Uh, because the convent that, quote, quote, had no survivors. Had no survivors, quote, quote. However, Sister Charlotte shows up with all these orphans and has a picture of a bunch of nuns from the convent. And Mr. Mullins comes in. I'm pretty sure it's Mr. Mullins. And he looks at the photo. And there's a little glimmer mm-hmm. of a certain little demon that we know mm-hmm. posing as a nun Yep, in the photo. And she dismisses it so fast. Oh, yeah. So fast. So the theory here is that Sister Charlotte is actually possessed by Valak. Which, honestly, makes a lot of sense. Yeah. It does. It just does. I feel like out of all of the houses that they could have gone to yeah. and all of the people that they could have... They chose know, the one. They chose the one with another demon. Mm-hmm. The one with the demon that the uh, that if she is possessed by Valak would know. Yeah. And intentionally brought someone who was, quote, quote, more weaker of spirit. Mm-hmm. That would then be enticed and let loose mm-hmm. another comp. It another- just feels very set up. And yes. Sister Charlotte is at the middle of like all of it. Because, because honestly, Sister Charlotte fucking got Scott effing free. Scott No free. injuries. Nothings. No. Not really like harmed. Mm-mm. Just... The only thing that freaked her out was the little, um, the dumbwaiter. There was, it just opened. Yeah. That's it. And then in the one scene where Janice is being pushed into the workshop. Because Mr. Mullins got fucked up. Ooh, Mr. Mullins got really bad. And when Sister Charlotte saw it, she was just kind of like, oh my God. But what I'm saying is when Janice is pushed into the workshop. We think it's an entity posing as Sister Charlotte. Yeah. But it could also just be Sister, Sister Charlotte. Charlotte. Because you see her hands and, like, her shoes and, like, her whole outfit. Yeah. but And you don't really see her face. Yeah. But it still could just be Sister Charlotte. Because it's a similar concept like Frenchie. Yes. It's the same concept like Frenchie. Like, it's like a, a pseudo they might not know that they are. Yeah. Like, he's, like, he was still there, and he still had elements of himself every, like, all the time. And yeah. every once in a while, Valak would come out and... Be a dick. Yeah. Just like Sister Charlotte could And we'll get into that more in the, in the next And also, film. like, if the demon is locked in the room mm-hmm. behind all these Bible pages, yeah. how did Janice get all these notes? Exactly. That could have also been a Sister Charlotte thing. However, Sister Charlotte could have also just gone in and unlocked it but for them. If, but... co- if if the idea that Sister Charlotte is being possessed by it, then the repellent of it would be the same concept. Yeah. Yes. And also, if you want a person who is of weaker spirit to get, you know, more invested into wanting mm-hmm. or being more willing to... Yeah. get possessed you have to start from the beginning because initially the notes that janice receives happens at night because she receives the first one i think i thought it was like of like find first me. thing 
Like, they get in there. It's daytime. Because she goes in and she Because I know out. she was sleeping. Oh, wait. No, she was, it was she was sleeping and she heard something and got up and under the door slips a note. The first time she tries to open it is daytime, but it's locked so she doesn't go in. The first time she goes into the room, But I'm saying it's the first time she receives a note. I'm pretty sure it was daytime. I don't know. We'd have to know, look matter. back. But I, for me, I thought it was at nighttime. The because... first time she goes into the room, yes. No, I'm saying the first time she receives a note is nighttime. Because Mr. Mullins comes they're up. they're in the bunk bed. They just got there. So I th- I'm, at least from my memory, this is how I'm remembering it. Like it was daytime. Like that's the note. And then, yeah, I don't know. I, I don't know. Fine. We'd have to look because it's one of those situations. But yeah. And then later that night, she gets another one. And yeah, that's why she know. goes in. I don't know. We'd have to check that out. <sighs> but yeah, that's that's what I got for that. Okay. It's crazy. Now for Juan Star Refuses. Yes. Yes. Not bad. Scary at times, but this film lost me when it portrayed violence to children. That's a no no. No matter how creative air quotes, or graphic you want to look as a film director, it's an unspoken taboo to portray harm to children through whatever media. This film goes further to vividly portray violence to a child living with a disability. Taboo of all taboos. So for me, it was an X, not a tick after that. Um, you're an idiot. (laughs) Have you watched any movies there's always a child in horror films every fucking even non-horror films there is always peril to children oh yeah always oh yeah do you have any idea the most prolific films of the horror genre that have that are are fucking about children and horrific things that Mm -hmm. happen to them Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. it is like trying to say Trying to say that it's the taboo of all taboos. It's not. No, it is not because it's done all the time. And the thing is, the disabled child in this instance does not really get harmed. Yeah, the disabled child does not get harmed. She is the at main protagonist, like antagonist. She's the main character in She's this She's the main movie. antagonist, yes. So, who becomes the. She's a victim who be- she's a victim of the creature. Yes. That becomes the monster. But she lives. Yeah, she lives. That's fine. And I mean, grows granted, up she's and kills, kills her, her family. mom and her dad. Uh yeah. So I thought that was very yeah. What the hell? What are you talking about? Yeah. But the next one <laughs> Utter shite. It was my first horror movie ever, and I almost fell asleep. I had to have a drink just to make it through the whole thing. I'd rather have drunk puddle water. Okay. I would not recommend it. What, puddle water or the movie? I I don't know. Yeah. And I don't get why people seem to think this is a good movie, because it's really not. So don't get your hopes up. Stick to the classics like Scream. Don't waste your time. Don't waste your time is what it says. Um, I'm sorry. Did you just you... say that you've never watched a horror film? <laughs> Thank you. And then you say stick to the classics like Scream. You understand Scream is a horror movie, right? Yeah. Yeah. How yeah. stupid can you be? Yeah. Yeah. Like, yeah. like, like truly how dumb can you be? Also, 
How do you, like, how would you know that Scream was a classic? If you're like, this is the first horror film I've watched. So clearly you have no information about No information about, about this genre. Yes, Scream is 100% a classic. For sure. But why the fuck were you acting like this was your first film and and then be like, it's not great, go to the classics like Scream. And I'm just like, well, yes, you start with the fucking classics. This is what screams to me, I was paid to write this. Yes. It was, I was paid to write this and I uh, outed myself that I'm an idiot. <laughs> Because, yes, if you know that there are movies that are classics in the horror genre, you watch those first. Mm -hmm. I'm sorry, but that's what you do. Mm -hmm. Like, yes, you can start with newer stuff. But if you really want to get into the horror genre, you have to become familiar with the most iconic characters that everyone knows and recognizes. So Michael Myers, Ghostface. Uh, Jason Voorhees, Freddy Krueger, uh, Pennywise, you have to become, rec you have to recognize them. You have to be like, oh, I know who they are, a Chucky. You have to recognize them and kind of understand them. So that's why you start with those classics. Also, because they're fucking older, they're easier to watch because it's not as uh, technologically advanced as we are now. So they're a little easier to watch. And then you can step your toes into the more modern stuff, if you so choose. I don't know. I kind of started off with modern and then dipped my toes into the classic kind of stuff. But, eh. But the difference is, is that you liked horror movies, but you liked horror movies because you liked horror movie movies. I don't know if you were, like, initially that deep into the horror genre. No, not at all. Whereas for me, I dove head first into the horror genre and just was like, I need to know yeah. the most iconic That's people. That's definitely what you did. I did not. I was kind of just like, oh, I like these horror movies that are coming out. Let yeah. me let me watch them. And then it just kind of became a thing over my life. But more recently, it's that I've been going into. You've been more deeper in. And especially yeah. this year, you'll get to have more of that deeper For understanding sure. and recognition of some of these For most sure. iconic characters. And I already feel like i do exactly like, just through the past year because i spent literally my initial time just watching all of the classic like our generations considered classic films mm -hmm. for horror yeah so yeah but yeah that was what i got yeah that was it yeah that was annabelle creation so that means we will be moving on to the nun 2 this story takes place in 1956 France, when a priest is raised in the air and burned alive by a familiar demon in front of a small boy. A man walks away from the church with an evil nun-shaped shadow behind him. We then discover our friendly neighborhood sister Irene has taken residence in a cozy convent in France. One night, she has a vision of Frenchie, who seems to still have a connection to the evil they both faced in Romania. The next morning, Sister Irene is called back once again to investigate a series of evil incidents moving west, originating from Romania. 
Irene tries to refuse, but ends up taking a train with another nun, Sister Deborah, to look for clues. A small girl named Sophie gets bullied by a few girls at St. Mary's Boarding School for Girls. They take her into the chapel, which is in ruins and supposed to be off-limits to the students. The girls scare Sophie with a stained-glass window of the devil in the form of a goat. The goat's eye turns red and then fades back to black as the girls lock Sophie inside. Sophie screams after seeing the dark entity as our beloved Frenchie saves the day and helps her out of the chapel. Later that night, the headmistress of the school hears a noise coming from the chapel and goes to investigate. When she enters, she sees a vision of her son that died in the bombings from World War II in that same chapel. Valak then grabs the boy's shoulder from behind and the boy attacks his mother, killing her. The next day, Kate, who is Sophie's mom and one of the teachers at the school, discovers the headmistress's body and most of the children are sent home. During her investigation, Sister Irene has another vision of Valak and Saint Lucy, the saint of the blind whose eyes were gouged out by pagans. Irene decides to go to the Vatican archives for some help. When she is told by the librarian that Valak might be after St. Lucy's eyes to gain more power and that they might be hidden at the boarding school. Irene and Deborah steal a cab and rush to get the eyes before Valak is able to find the ancient relic. Spoiler warning, skip ahead. Before the sisters arrive, Maurice, Sophie, and her mom, Kate, dance together in a sweet family moment. Abruptly, Maurice collapses to the floor in pain, and Kate notices an upside-down cross on the back of his neck. Suddenly, Valak rips through a painting, Sharky, Sharky, causing Maurice to grab Kate and Sophie and run away, down the corridors of the school. While running, the group runs into Irene and Deborah, where Irene then screams at Maurice to get away from the girls. With Maurice obviously confused, Irene explains that he is still possessed. Immediately, Valak takes over Maurice's body and heads straight for the chapel. Irene and Deborah chase him down, knock him out, and tie him up. Before he can wake up, the rest of the group work together to find St. Lucy's eyes. Sophie tells the group about the goat eye in the stained glass window, which they use to find where the eyes are buried. Once they find the eyes, Sophie notices that the goat image in the window is now gone. Some of the girls who were not able to go home after the headmistress's death hear stomping coming from upstairs. While going to investigate, they see Deborah, who has come to see what's going on. They shine a flashlight towards the top floor and see a glimpse of a furry figure with horns. The figure begins to growl and then run down the stairs, revealing itself to be the devil in the form of a goat. Terrifying. Literally terrifying. The goat then begins to terrorize and chase Deborah and the rest of the girls through the school. Maurice has now woken up and is out for vengeance. He storms into the chapel, 
attacks Irene and Kate for the eyes, but before he can take them, Sophie grabs them and runs up to the top of the bell tower to hide. Maurice finds Sophie, but as he attacks, the eyes begin to glow from their container and causes a small quake that destroys the bell tower. Irene, Deborah, Sophie, and Maurice all end up in the basement of the bell tower. Maurice manages to get a hold of the eyes, and Valak takes their power. Valak attacks everyone in the basement, exploding barrels of wine and causing even more destruction. Valak turns her attention to target Irene and sets her on fire. But right before Irene is killed by Valak, she has a vision of her mom, discovering that she is actually related to St. Lucy. Irene uses this power to put the fire out, turn the wine pooling on the floor into the blood of Christ, dousing Valak with the liquid and defeating the demon once again. The goat has now returned to the window, and everyone is safe. In a flash to the future, Ed and Lorraine Warren get a call about an urgent matter from Father Gordon. The end. All righty. Yeah, this is the one I have no idea how many jump scares there are. Yeah, it's still literally brand effing new. Yeah. It's still a new film. It has not been out very long. It's been out for four months. Yeah, four months. Not not it's not It's been not long four enough. months. Yes, That's it's been four it? months. It feels like it's been forever. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Okay. That was the first week of your month-long birthday celebration <laughs> that we went to the movies. Yep, yep. To go watch this. Yes, it was. It was a month long. Don't judge me for it. I'm never doing it again. It was her 21st, so it was understandable. I don't recommend it, though. I was exhausted. (laughs) I was beat. So, obviously, this movie was released September 8th, 2023. The director is Michael Chavez. The distributed by Warner Bros. Pictures, based on characters by James Wan and Gary Doberman. And the cinematographer is Tristan Nibai. Now, what was their budget? Their budget was actually pretty hefty for this one. What was they it? They had almost a $39 million budget, which Ooh. is a lot more than they had for Annabelle Creation. And I want to say The Nun as well. Yeah, because The yeah. Nun had $22 million, so that's almost double. But their box office... Was $268.1 million. Which is obviously crazy. Not as much as the other two. No, not as much as the other two, but still, but still very hefty. A lot. Yes. Definitely very hefty. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And we will have, obviously, repeat cast in this film, but with a few extra exceptions. Um, We obviously have Thaisa Farminga as Sister Ir- Irene. Jonas Bloquette as Frenchie, also known as Maurice. Uh, we have Bonnie Ahrens as the demon nun again. Mm-hmm. But this time we have our added people such as Anna Popplewell as Kate, Storm Reed as Deborah. And do you have Sophie? Yes. Uh, Caitlin Rose Downey as Sophie. Yes. Very cool. I don't know why I don't have that on here. I remember looking at it and then like, <laughs> I guess I didn't type it in, but yeah, that's yeah. okay. It's okay. But yeah, that's our cast. Yeah, yeah. Some simple facts. And now let's get on to some behind the scenes. 
So, um, obviously, the set design for the film engrosses viewers in a terrifying religious world. Mm-hmm. Again. Uh, making places of worship akin to that of nightmares. From start to finish, the various dark and brooding uh, setting set the tone for the movie, fully immersing the viewer in the realm of terror the characters find themselves in. So, obviously... The sequel to the the saga of The Conjuring films, this is the sequel to The Nun, is set in the south of France um, and obviously continues the story of the demon Valak. And the visual effects were created mainly by the French team at MPC and the UF. So from the beginning... Michael Chavez had a clear idea of a visual uh, choreography creating tension and suspense. Mm-hmm. The nun would take shape in the form of moving like photographs and magazine images. That was so, so cool. So this was one of the coolest scenes. Mm-hmm. Uh, so they had this. So there's a scene where Irene is trying to talk with the boy from the first uh, instance of the film because she's meets him and is trying to get information from him and she chases him thinking you know she's gonna catch him yes and at the end of this like hall you get this newsstand that slowly starts to flip pages and mag- all the magazines that are on and the stand. all of a sudden all of the pages slowly go up and start to form the visage of the nun which is a really cool fucking scene as the pages turned, they would combine to form, obviously, the new face, and Valak would confront Irene in an attempt at a final showdown, but, you know, unsuccessful. So the sequence required close collaboration between departments at MPC with technical complexity at every level. Uh, the design of the assembly of faces on the magazine pages, mm-hmm, the mm-hmm. movement rhythm and the evolution of these designs were managed by the motion design department. The result was like a flattened uh, view of the entire kiosk mm-hmm. with each magazine animated over the total duration of the scene. Yeah. So all of the pages were animated. They had to recreate 83 magazines in 3D to have sufficient control to make artistic decisions at the uh, at the level of a single page. That's crazy. That's Sometimes even just one side of the page. Mm. So they had to recreate 83 magazines with the ability to control the pages and the sides of the pages that they landed on. Mm. So it's f- really freaking cool. It's a stunning scene. Obviously it's freaky it's really terrifying i also love but it's beautiful that so after a certain amount of time i feel like after the conjuring films anytime there was like something in reference to valak you would see the letters yeah of valak's name yeah. formed on things mm-hmm. so like that scene as she's running to chase the boy and trying to search for him, you see the letters of Valak's name spell out, spell out throughout each scene before and that scene. In the nun, like in the first movie, yeah, when Sister Irene and Father Burke go to get Frenchie, or like they meet Frenchie for the first time, and yeah. they help him, or he helps them to the convent. 
as a truck is driving away on the license plate, you can yeah. see Valak on it. So there's a, definitely a common theme throughout yeah. each movie involving Valak. So clearly Valak where you get that where you get its name is however the Thanos of the Conjuring yes. universe. <laughs> however, you don't get to know their like they never specifically state Valak's name. No. Until later in the franchise. Yes. And that would be the first Conjuring film, right? Second. The second, second Conjuring, Conjuring film. film. Because it's the carving yeah. and the everything yes. like that. Mm-hmm. But yeah. So also, uh, the opening scene of The Nun 2 shows a priest on fire. Yes. It was unexpected, but somehow fun to create because they added this scene. It's a combination of practical and CGI elements. That makes sense. So... It, it was Obviously crazy because they the air, had but... to like, they both were tracking real fire mm-hmm. and fake fire. Real. So they had like real fire and they had fake fire and both of them had to be tracked so that they Do you mean real fire work. is in like, like artificial re- fire and then CGI fire? Or do you mean like actual real fire and then like the type of artificial fire? Like, well, what are you saying when you say artificial fire? Because they have scenes where, like, they light people on fire, but it's not, like... I mean, that's still fire. There's no, like, third-party fire. But it's not, like, painful. Like, it's not really Well, no, because they usually... It is real fire. Obviously, it's it's real, but it's not... (laughs) It doesn't hurt people. Well, no shit. All fire in movies don't hurt people. Oh, my God. (laughs) They're all just fire or CGI fire. Never mind. But yes, it is real fire mm-hmm. because they're not just going to set actual people on fire. That's why I was confused. I was like, <laughs> what do you mean? They don't actually set real people on fire. I love you. They don't I actually just, set, I proved they my don't hair set color. People, they don't set real people on fire and then put some people in suits to protect them from fire and then make fake fire. In every episode, I prove my hair color. <laughs> I just do. <laughs> So that was a very, very cool kind of, like, idea. But the fact that they had to, like, track mm-hmm. how the flames moved yeah. is fascinating. Oh, and um, there is an, like, aerial scene of, like, the city and stuff in, like, there's, like, an aerial view of, like, the town and yeah. stuff. Yeah. And, like, the um, boarding school. Mm-hmm. It is so... Oh, yeah, you told me about this. It's an aerial shot where they discover the abbey where the story begins. Yes. They had a significant constraint because the church attached to the convent did not match the director's vision. So and and the lighting during the shoot was not consistent with the rest of the sequence. So it was a very complicated. It was a very complicated shot to imagine and set up. So the reconstruction of the set started with motion tracking that had to be perfect throughout the depth of the city. In parallel, they had constructed several concept tests to see how much it was possible to transform the overall lighting of the shot into directional lighting that was supposed to evoke early morning light. Mm -hmm. Once everyone agreed on the look of the shot, they 3D cut out every house in the shot. 
That's a lot. And this neighborhood by neighborhood, it was a titanic job. Once it was done, it was fantastic. Mm -hmm. And then they could calculate like lights and shadows and all that kind of stuff. But like there's a um, there's kind of like a courtyard scene where there's like a fountain and a car and like people walking around. That is fake. That is all made up. Pardon? For that shot. Okay. Uh, even the tower. The tower oh, the like, had yeah. to be put in and it was just so elaborate wow. for just a small shot. Yeah. It's not a long scene. That's really sad then because a lot of people hated on this movie. Like they just did. And there was a lot of work put in. A lot. Like yeah. a lot. Mm-hmm. But yeah. Yeah. So what you got for me? I don't have a whole lot because obviously we've already talked about Valak. Yeah. And Valak's, you know, little baby angel on two-headed dragon. Yeah. <laughs> um, who's now a demon. So I wanted to talk about St. Lucy and the history of St. Lucy, also known as Lucia of Syracuse. Mm-hmm. A lot of St. Lucy. Yeah. To get that real wet mouth smell. I just said smell. Yeah, I heard that. <laughs> I was going to say smell. Because Question you mark? literally just were like, St. Lou C. <laughs> you had like a pause. No every way word, I did that. Every word had a... You just did it. I know I did. You just did it again. <laughs> that one was unintentional. <laughs> it's because I have a lot of spit right here on the top of my teeth. At this point, you just need to let yourself... See if you just let yourself drool. <laughs> clearly something's going on. You want fun. me to? Okay. My mouth will sound very interesting. It'll be all... You already sounded like you were drowning later in the, earlier in this episode, so trust me, I'm going to have fun with that later. <laughs> <laughs> you sound like you were choking on your own spit. That might have been what was happening. Earlier in this episode. I don't know. Anything that happens with my mouth is totally involuntary. I, I don't know what to tell it's you. wild. Other than my speech, everything is involuntary. <laughs> Sometimes even my speech. <laughs> yeah. Uh, blah, blah, blah. Anyway, St. Lucy, she was born in 283 AD mm-hmm. to a wealthy family in Romanian. Romanian. To wealthy Roman parents in Syracuse. Gotcha. So her father was a Roman nobleman and her mom had more Greek origins. When her father, Lucy's father died when she was five. Mm -hmm. So it was just Lucy and her mom. Lucy, pretty much her whole life was Christian. And that was very dangerous for people. If you were in Rome at that time, because it was very pagan. Gotcha. It was before Rom- Roman Catholic. Yeah. It was a very pagan area at, during this time. So when she was really young, she always knew that she would have to marry. However, she, from a young age, promised her virginity to God. So that she could live a celibate life. Gotcha. She didn't want to marry. She wanted to give her dowry to the poor people. Because obviously she comes from a wealthy family. So she wanted to stay celibate. And she wanted to give her dowry to the poor. So essentially she wanted to kind of... She wanted to become a nun. Basically. essentially what it was. Yeah. She just wanted to it's promise herself to God. what we know is like... You know. Mm-hmm. So her mom arranged 
a marriage for Lucy without knowing that she had made this promise. Gotcha. So she set up a marriage for her with this man from a wealthy pagan family. Part of the reason her mom set this marriage up so quickly was because Lucy's mom, her health suddenly became really bad. Gotcha. And she didn't want her like it was. Yeah, it was an unknown bleeding disorder. So she wanted to make sure that Lucy would be well taken care of when she was going to pass. Lucy, at a certain point in her life, got a vision which told her that her mom would be cured because of how strong Lucy's faith was. Mm-hmm. And because of that, she would get glory and honor yeah. in her future. When she got this vision, her mom was away on some pilgrimage to the shrine of St. A- Agatha, which is another Christian martyr from earlier Roman mm-hmm. eras. When her mom finally did come home, her mom's health actually did get better. Mm. Like, she actually improved. Nice. So, Lucy shared this vision that she had of all this glory and honor and shared that with her mom and asked her mom for permission to give her dowry to the poor people. So, her mom tried to convince her to do that once she was gone like once lucy had passed gotcha so it was more like a in her will gotcha like, in her will so she would live her life and then in her will she would give whatever she got away from her dowry yeah that would go away lucy denied that she said she wants to give her riches away right now while she was still alive so she can see like the the fruits of her yeah givings not when she was dead and didn't need them anymore Word of this got back to her pagan fiancé. Her prospective fiancé, yeah. Yeah. Who told on her. Oh, shit. Basically told on her. And so the governor of Syracuse wanted to force Lucy to prove her devotion to the empire and its religion, religious practices by burning a sacrifice to an icon of the emperor. Mm. but she refused she said no this is where it gets a little um graphic a little graphic and a little trigger warning i mean horror movies so you know the governor of syracuse then sentenced lucy to be raped in a brothel as punishment for her refusal to do these things that's so fucked up yes Regardless of religious practices on either side of that, you just don't do that. Yes. However, in the in the lore and in this piece of history, it is said that when the soldiers tried to take her away, she was unable to move. Like, they couldn't move her. Yeah. Obviously, even though if a bunch of soldiers come and try to take you, one small girl. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But apparently she was unmovable. So, there's another depiction as, like, why she lost her eyes. Like, there's multiple reasons yeah. stated. So, there are theories that it could have been torture by her captors. Gotcha. Or she did it to herself to discourage the pagan men from, like, yeah, wanting her. Yeah, because I thought there was also, there was that theory that it was, like, I guess she, because she was also beautiful. Yeah. And that, like, 
the idea that she took her own eyes out so that because mm-hmm. her to like dissuade the men yes after all of this they eventually killed her by stabbing her with a sword in, in the neck mm. but it is said that when her family went to bury her her eyes had been restored oh which is very interesting i don't know but that is why she is dubbed the patron saint of the blind just because of all of these things that happened to her and what is said but as other than the blind it's also said that she's the patron saint of authors and craftsmen laborers martyrs Hmm. um and i guess they have like a saint lucy festival in sicily every year that's interesting and they have a little a little thing yeah because she's also the patron saint of syracuse in sicily italy where she spent her life like that's where she lived and there's a little island called saint lucia that considers saint lucy to be their patroness gotcha so there's just a a whole lot of stuff i mean it was just weird to me because in the nun too yeah the way they say that pagans just killed saint lucy yeah was a little off-putting to me because Because i'm not a fan of because we would consider ourselves pagan i'm not a fan of villainizing pagans obviously in history there's some bad shit that they've done but also there's a lot of bad shit that everybody quite annihilated by the christian religion yes so it's kind of back and forth here. Yeah. I mean, both sides are shitty in history, to some degree. Yeah. Nobody in history is, is squeaky clean. Is squeaky clean. I bet not even St. Lucy. Hell no. Guaranteed. There's no way. Everyone makes mistakes. Unless you are genuinely Everybody's just got those days. <laughs> no, because it ran through my head. I, I was know. just like, no. <laughs> <laughs> but it just kind of. I wanted to research this because I wasn't I didn't really like the way that they were just like she was ruined by pagans. Yeah. So I wanted to do a little bit more research. And yes, they did some really shitty things yeah. to her. That but is But there's really always bucked. shitty people on every side. It's true. It's true. It's funny cuz they made her look like a saint or whatever. Yeah. Well, that's cuz she is. But yeah, uh, I do have a tiny little theory. Yeah. I caught this the last time we watched it, which was yesterday. Oh. Um, but when Sister Irene is having the vision of her mom. Yeah. To know she's related to uh, St. Lucy. I caught this. I don't know if you caught this, but there was a quick little snippet of Lorraine Warren. Her eyes were in there. Oh, which so there's a chance that Lorraine Warren may be a descendant of Irene uh, of um of St. Lucy and related to Irene because yeah. there's only a 20 year difference yeah between the nun and the first conjuring yeah so like obviously they're alive in the same era it means that there's a chance she could have had kids no like they could be cousins oh, or something. oh you're saying I was thinking like 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 legit- sister Irene had a child. No, I'm saying like they could be they could be like like cousins or cousins or something. Yeah, gotcha. That's what I'm thinking. Like they're related in some way. But gotcha. sister Irene seems very into her nun state. Nun nunness. Her nunness. 
But yeah, I thought that was very interesting. Mm. And then I like looked more into it on online. And that's what a lot of people are saying. Like that, oh, you may not have noticed it. And I was like, but I did. <laughs> but I did. So, which well, is really cool since Lorraine Warren and Sister Irene, both of their actresses are actually sisters in real life. So, yeah, that's what makes it really cool. That'll be interesting to see how they play that out, because that's a that's a reveal in the newest Conjuring film, which means that is a that is a hint towards the future Mm -hmm. and the idea that obviously the reasons why we'll find out you'll find out later why valak is very attentive Mm -hmm. on fucking with uh yeah why that's why that's what i thought i was like oh since they're related that makes sense as to why she would be so intent on attacking lorraine yeah uh, just so, because of who she's descended upon. That'll be interesting. By who she's related to. It'll be interesting to see how they move forward with yes. it, with all of it. Yeah. I'm intrigued. Yeah. Now. One stars? Yeah. Hell yeah. I was going through these and a lot of the one stars had a lot of people begging for James Wan to take the reins again. Like in most of the things that I was reading, it was like, where's James Wan? Where's James Wan? He needs to come back. Yeah. And I don't disagree. <laughs> To be honest. But I mean, the story's by James Wan. It is. It's just, like, he's not as... He's not as prominent into... Gotcha. ...everything, like, that the way people want him to be. Mm. But that's okay. One of these said... Mm-hmm. I see your face. I was even up for that. So. Okay, <laughs> never mind. Okay. Um, this one is... Teens will think it's terrifying. Just another mediocre Blumhouse film. Nothing fresh, clever, or original. Don't be sad if you miss it at the cinema. Just catch it on Netflix next year. Bad nun kills a few people. Good nun saves the day. Evil sharp tooth nun has about five minutes screen time, usually playing peekaboo from the shadows. I have a feeling a lot of these five-star reviews calling the negative reviews fake are fake themselves. Movie kind of sucks. This is just dumb. (laughs) Yeah. First, Blumhouse? Yeah. It... No... Second, Netflix? It's on Max. It's on Max. Thank you. Thanks. And what a disheartening little summary you've got there. Very, very... Oh, man. I'm just like... That's... It just doesn't feel right. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. It's like... The ignorance oozing from that comment. Yeah, I don't know, but... Yeah, the Blumhouse is... It's not one of Blumhouse's films. It's not. It's so not. I don't know why they said Blumhouse. Mm-hmm. Because that just doesn't make any sense. That's not a... It's not a Blumhouse production. It's another mediocre Blumhouse film, you know? Also, Blumhouse is fantastic. Right? F- fuck you. <laughs> Blumhouse <laughs> like, is incredible. They make amazing films. Mm-hmm. Thanks. This next one is kind of like... No, I kind of agree. But maybe not on this level. Gotcha. (laughs) It was like, okay. They said, I am so fed up with the innuendo or blatant disrespect of pagans. Oh. (laughs) In these newer movies, most especially Hereditary and Midsommar. But the blasphemy of so blithely and flippantly saying pagans cut out St. Lucia's eyes for the sake of a Hollywood crock of a movie is nauseating. Pay attention, folks. Next thing you know, they'll be burning witches at the stake again. 
<laughs> okay. It was angry about something different than yes, just the story. Yes. Um It feels a little much. Like yeah, that feels a little a yeah. little too angry. A little, a little I mean, yes, little it it kind of like irked me a small it was amount. Literally like a one-off sentence. It, yeah, it was mentioned. Yeah, twice. Literally, they it said was. It twice. They literally, it was. They saw the painting of it and said, "This is who it is," and this is how she lost her eyes. And then in the Vatican, they mentioned it again. Yeah, that's it. And that's it. It's a one-sentence thing. Yeah. So it worked. It irked me the smallest amount, but also I didn't know the history of it either. Yeah. And then I did the research and it was pagans. However, they would, the way they went about it yeah. was a little meh. I don't think that people are going to be burning witches at the stake. That's crazy. Um, yeah. We're a couple hundred years away from that. Anyway, my final one star review mm-hmm. of the podcast episode yes absolutely horrific i took my three-year-old expecting it to be child friendly however my child was terrified the whole way through and has been having nightmares so terrible she has wet the bed on multiple occasions i'm extremely disappointed in warner brothers one out of five stars do better The fact that you're outing how your child stupid. saying that they wet the bed, that's mean. How, how, how stupid. Did you not watch the trailer? There's no fucking way. No, 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 no. It's not even just, did you watch the trailer? No, I know You know, know for a damn trailer. fact. But it's like pictures. There's a 50-50. And, mm-hmm. You know damn fact that if they walked up to the theater. Yep. Saw the movie poster. to purchase tickets. Right. That they would say, this is an R-rated film, not meant for small children. Mm. You know, for a damn fact, this is that bitch who's like, well, I'm going to bubba the bub, and I'm going to go anyway, and mm-hmm. fuck you, give me my goddamn tickets. Mm-hmm. You know that's one of those people, mm-hmm. and then thinks that they can turn around and bitch and complain. And at the same time- When they time, brought a child to an R-rated film. Yeah. Are you stupid? It literally, when you're looking at the fucking marquee of the fucking movie, it shows you its rating. It shows you its rating. It does not say- PG-13. It says R. And at the same time, at the same time, does this mean you sat through the entire thing with your child? Yes. The fact that they had nightmares and are now peeing themselves at night? Like, did that kid not scream or cry because they were fucking three? Did it not kick into your brain that maybe you should get out of there? Yeah. Even beforehand, you should have seen the movie poster and been like... "Mm." Yeah, the poster's enough to be like, maybe this is not family friendly. Yeah. But on the other hand of that, it's also kind of a compliment to the film. Yes. <laughs> the fact that it's it truly was terrifying. super scary. But also, how fucking stupid can you be to bring like, a fucking three-year-old? Like, that child is going old. to actually have nightmares, like, for the rest of their lives. They're going to be traumatized by horror films. That's going to be religious trauma. Ooh. In a way that no one expected. Mm, yeah. Because a mom decided to be fucking entitled mm-hmm. and stupid. Yep. Not Instead do better being, to Warner Bros. Do better yourself, babe. Do better yourself. Like, how stupid can you be? Do you not look up a film, like, at all before you go watch it? Like, at all. Like, at least, like, 
what genre like, the film's in. I want to go watch Mean Girls, but that's because it's a musical, A, and B, I already know what Mean Girls is. So, and it's got my girl Renee rapping it. So, and it's like even some of the films that are out that I want to see, like, I know if it's a fantasy or a sci-fi or a yep. horror, like, yep. you literally... I don't know the genre. How did you not, like, A, possibly see a trailer, mm-hmm. B, not look up the movie... Or, like, a clip of it. Literally, and, like, even if you fucking bought this movie ticket online, mm-hmm. it would still tell you it is a horror movie with an R rating. Yep. There's no fucking way in the entire process of you getting the tickets for this movie that you just mysteriously didn't realize it was a horror movie. What do you mean if you expected it to be child-friendly? Are you stupid? Yes. Are you stupid? Yes. For real. Just un- unnecessary. But yeah, I thought that was a good way to finish out. That was really funny to me. Yeah. Not for that child, unfortunately. Nope, nope. They will forever be scarred. And have religious trauma and be afraid of nuns for the rest of their life. Watch for... them do, you know, 180. Oh, Become yeah. a nun. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. 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 Do you, boom? Yeah. Alrighty. Or priest, whatever the gender of their child is. Oh, yeah. I don't know. Something in religion. Mm-hmm. Um. So... Like we said, this is the year of franchises. You've got to experience our new little format for franchises. Mm-hmm. And so regardless, going forward for future years and, and things like that, if we ever do multiple films from a similar franchise, this is the format we will do. We will still have single films at a certain point that we will have our single films and still have the same format as we've done before. This is just so that we can get through more information because there are so many of yeah. certain films. Mm-hmm. And don't forget, March starts our Summer of Blood. So be ready for that. Mm-hmm. We get that fun. summer starts later, but but it works you're welcome. out It's a gift. It it's works a gift. out. You know? Um, so next week is our second episode of our Conjuring series. Mm-hmm. So look forward to that. Three more films for us to play with. Mm-hmm. Send us an email at horrorunmasked at gmail.com. You know, like, comment, subscribe, rate us on all of the things. Five stars and hearts. Um, follow us on Instagram and Twitter at Horror Unmasked. Listen to us on Spotify and iTunes at Horror Unmasked Podcast. Subscribe to our YouTube at Horror Unmasked Podcast. And I think with that, there's only one thing left to ask. Will you none? Or will you not none? (laughs) (laughs) Will you fear? Or will you fear not?